Welcome to GALS, the Great Angling Lesbian Society. The Voicemail Network is a tool for club members to contact a number of people with a single telephone call. The idea is that if you or any club member decide to go fishing, you can call the voicemail number and leave a message. I might call and say, this is Susan McCann. I'm going fishing out at Bussy Woods Saturday morning and would like some company. Call me if you'd like to go. This one is a, a small but mighty collection. Welcome to Unboxing Queer History, a podcast from Gerber Hart Library and Archives. Gerber Hart is a library and archive with collections that focus on LGBTQ culture and history of Chicago and the Midwest. In each episode, we focus on the story of a particular collection in the Gerber Hart Library and Archive. In this episode, we bring you the story of a Midwestern lesbian fishing club founded in the 1990s. It was called the Great Angling Lesbian Society, also known as GALS, with the women who started it all, Susan McCann and Sherry Peathers. This is one of the most beloved collections of archive divers and volunteers at Gerberhart. So looking through the photo, very first, we see this woman, plaid, red plaid, sunglasses, and she is holding a fish by its chin. Oh boy, um, this is another photo. This woman is lowering what looks like a frog back into the water. It's not a large collection by any means, but its story and inception speak volumes to the time and bring us inside a community of women who came together to meet and skill share outside of bar life. The archive tells us the story of a niche group and a moment in Chicago lesbian history where women organized outings to the woods to take part in an activity that fostered connection to the natural world and community through a shared love of fishing. How cool is that? Okay, these are the stickers. So these are stickers from Gals, and they made a really great logo that incorporates a fishing rod and a fish. Photos, newsletters, bumper stickers, and graphics create a portal into Gals. And we wanted to talk to Susan and Sherry to tell us the story of how such a group came into being, what it took, and what it meant to them. You can really see and feel the fun that they were having. And I think that's what I love about this collection is, you know, it's so small, but you get newsletters that really give you a picture of what was going on. And then you get these photos of these just incredibly fun looking camping trips. So they even knew that their amazing gals paraphernalia would someday end up at the Gerberhart archives. Jen found in their newsletter. Do we have any sentimental souls in this group? Has anyone saved our first newsletter? We've lost our original. We need a copy for the gals archives. You know, we are going to be famous someday. Gerberhart will be clamoring for this stuff. They are not wrong. A quick disclaimer. The audio for this piece was recorded over the phone because Susan and Sherry both live in real-life postcards, meaning the middle of nowhere. Here is Susan McCann and Sherry Peathers with their history and the story of GALS, the Great Angling Lesbian Society. Sherry and I were both single. 
both living in the Chicago area newly. We were friends, and Sherry was a first-year associate at a law firm, so working her tail off. I was working in corporate America, working my tail off. It was such I'd go to Sherry's apartment every Friday night after work. I'd get a video, and then we'd order pizza, and that was our sort of end-of-week decompression. And one night, Sherry came up with this idea of, you know, we need to find some people to go fishing. And that was the advent of Gal. I said, let's start a fishing club. We could, we could advertise, you know, for it in the gay newspaper. And, and we came up with this idea and got all excited about it. And we weren't even drunk. It was just an idea. And uh, then we just, we just went for it. And it, it turned out to be a heck of a lot of fun. I was like, you know, we, we'll probably not get a response. And if we do, it'll be people mocking us or something. Well, we had, I don't know, 30 responses. We were so excited. <laughs> well, and, and why fishing? Susan loved fishing as much as I did. It had always been something I'd like to do. And so we, we had shared this experience. We really liked it. And then, uh, you know, later when we're just friends and we're like, we need to find other people that want to fish. Let's start a fishing club. And that's what we did. How did y'all meet each other? It was a house party at Susan's apartment that I think, I can't remember how I heard about to go there, like through the lesbian uh, grapevine, but it was at a time when I was um, just coming out, like in the, was it the late 80s, Susan? This house party with lesbians, and I went, and I think I went because my therapist at the time told me I should. Like I was, I was living in downstate Illinois and uh, was actually suicidal. And then I decided to come out and this wonderful therapist that I had who saved my life told me to go to the bars in Chicago and hang out. And then when I told her about this house party, she was like, get your rear end over there. And so I went to this party and met Susan. And Susan, didn't you have a girlfriend at the time? I did. I was living with my girlfriend. But truthfully, she ended up with somebody else that night, and I was kind of pissed. And so Sherry and I... Um, we commiserated. Yes, we commiserated. She had moved to Springfield, Illinois, because she was the clerk to the Chief Justice of the, of the Supreme Court of the State of Illinois. And so as clerk, she had to move to Springfield. And uh, we broke up in the middle of that year, and essentially we just it was pretty clear that we would be better friends than lovers. You know, we just were on different paths, and and frankly, it's not that uncommon for lesbians to, you know, be friends afterward. And we were, you know, we we kept our distance for about a year, and then we started hanging out together when we both ended up back in the Chicago area, and gals came as a result of that. Both Sherry and I have been with our partners for many, many, many years, and both of our partners know each other and we can all hang out together and there's no problem and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to have. 
that's sort of a long-lasting friendship. My partner and I celebrated 25 years last year, and both of our partners, mine and Susan's, um, did participate in the, we didn't meet them at, in the fishing club, but we brought them into the fishing club. Yeah, exactly. And, and Marilyn and I have been together for 27 years. Actually, I have the old uh, membership list, and I think the largest we got was approaching 60, which isn't a huge number, but you know what? That's a lot of lesbians when, you know, you're, you've got a pretty specific thing and getting people to, uh, you know, give up their name and phone number. It was a great way to meet people and share a lot of, a lot of fun little trips without having to go to the bars. Because let's be honest, the bars are intimidating. So, you know, having a common interest besides finding somebody to hang out with was a uh, was a big benefit. And it, it obviously resonated with a bunch of people. The bars at that time were, like I look back at them now with nostalgia, and now being a lesbian is so much more accepted than it was 25 years ago. You know, 25 years ago, the bars had bouncers and Men weren't allowed, and they worked real hard to, to keep people safe there. It wasn't like we walked around afraid all the time, but there's things you just didn't do. You know, you never would hold your partner's hand or even gesture too, too affectionately in, in much public, because there were a lot of places it was dangerous. What was really neat was that we were at this campground called CK's Outback, which was owned by a lesbian or a lesbian couple, and I don't remember who, but it was a place for lesbians to camp. I can't tell you how much that meant to us at the time. We camped down at uh, Chabanaw Lake, down by DeKalb in Illinois. Uh, we went to, uh, we camped at Yellowstone Lake State Park, yeah, in Wisconsin, we went to Rock Cut State Park. Well, no one was sitting around holding hands there, let me tell you. <laughs> but CK's was different, so it was it was really unique. I couldn't believe we that you, you found that place, Sherry. I couldn't believe you found it. I was like, are you kidding me? A lesbian campground with fishing nearby? That's my idea of a great time. So we sent out invitations to people to have our first sort of inaugural meeting and figure out what what we wanted to be as a club. And that, so that's really how we formed. Our first meeting was February 5th of 1994. We had a brunch at Buddy's. Buddy's was a, a gay male owned restaurant and bar right next door to Sherry's apartment. We ended up you know, having a good chat, and then we went next door to Sherry's apartment um, and talked some more. We actually watched a couple fishing videos that, you know, VHS tapes of fishing just for, you know, shits and grins, you know, just for fun. Basically, anybody that we got their name and address, um, and most most of that was gathered at the uh, at the first meeting. You know, we had these people responded. 
Um, and we sent out a, you know, a dear, dear Jane letter that you know, welcomed them and gave them a little business card. We set up a very rudimentary way of communicating with each other through this voicemail network, which is basically call this phone number and it wouldn't ring anywhere. It was just a voicemail box and you could leave a message and then other people would, you know, we would pick up the messages and call people back or it, it evolved into a place where you could leave a message and say, hey, I'm, uh, I want to go fishing at Busty Woods this weekend. Anybody want to go? And, you know, I'd say, hey, this is Susan. The members then would have a list of who Susan was, and they would call me and say, hey, yeah, I want to go. Or you could leave a message, and so you would just keep leaving messages and never delete them, and everybody could share messages. They could put in their wallet that had the voicemail network on it and, uh, you know, instructions about how to use the voicemail, which you have to remember, there was no social media of any kind. I mean, basically, when this first started, nobody had a computer in their hand. You know, nobody had stuff at home. So we got all the names, got addresses, sent them out an invitation letter, you know, that, you know, said, please fill in this survey so we know who we're talking about. So we could try to design events that would meet the needs of what, you know, what people wanted. So we asked them all kinds of questions. You're like, how good a fishing are you? You know, are you a not, you consider yourself a novice, an expert? You know, we even asked people if they had cars or tents or anything else, just so we would know if we were, should plan transportation and things like that. Susan designed our gal's logo and had our uh, bumper stickers printed and the business cards and he really went for it. I, I wrote the newsletter. We were both journalists in the past. I was a newspaper reporter for years. So yeah, so if you look at their newsletters, so we've got one issue from June, July 94. It's a barbecue for sure. And That's what makes us a great team because Sherry was much more sociable you know, so she was much better at talking to people and, you know, writing up the, what was in the newsletter and I would make them look nice, you know, and get them and get them out to people. We did a little beginning fishing seminar. This is how you really bait a hook. This is how you really tie a hook. You know, just some very, very basics for the people that were novices so they feel a little more comfortable. We spent quite a bit of time baiting hooks for the girly girls and, you know, touching worms. And, and then other ones were just fearless. Some people told us they knew how to fish and they were lying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just because some people, we were kind of popular and some people wanted to just be involved whether they fished or not. And there was this young woman who had never fished before. And she was bound and determined that she was going to go through the entire life cycle. She was going to bait the hook. She was going to take the fish off the hook. She was going to clean the fish. She was going to eat the fish. You know, so she was bound and determined. And she reluctantly made it through baiting the hook and taking the fish off the hook. Later, we, we were at, uh, I believe it was the, um, oh, the campground in southern Wisconsin. We rented, rented some boats. I told people, I was like, okay, here's the deal. 
you have to tell everybody when you're going to cast because everybody kind of needs to duck. Because the last thing you want is somebody hooking somebody in their chin with a with a hook because they don't know how to cast a rod. So, um, or, you know, so uh, it was. It became. It was. It was comical. I was in the boat with these these women. It was like cast. Ah! Everybody ducks. And not thirty seconds later, it was cast. Ah! Everybody ducks. It was. Uh, it was quite a treat, honestly. But you know, nobody got hurt. I had this boat, I'd just gotten it, you know, I'd put it in about two two times, and so I go to back it in, and I forgot to put the plug in the bottom of the boat, so it started to sink. It was not good. It was just like the whole back end of the boat is just filling with water. And I'm like, no! <laughs> it was very embarrassing. And here I am. I'm supposed to be one of the experts, right? I'm one of the leaders of this club. Ah, well, not so much. But at least, you know what? There were some good, hearty lesbians there to help me uh, drag it back up onto the trailer and pull it out so it could drain. I love to catch bass, largemouth bass are fun because you can use these things called top of the water lures and you whip them out there and they float or you pull them along on top of the water and the fish jumps out of the water and like flies out of the water with that thing in its mouth and and it's like pretty spectacular. Every kind of fish is a different experience catching it. You know, we used to call northern pikes rocks. Oh, I got a rock. Because all they do is they grab a hook and they like drag it. You know, there's like pulling in a rock. Um, something like a, a walleye or a bass, they bounce around and they're 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 just more fun to catch. There's a lot to the experience of just doing it, you know, and enjoying where you are, looking at the lake. I used to call it bobber therapy. You know, I would just put a worm on a hook and and a bobber and, and throw it out here in the front of where I live here in Michigan. I've retired to Grand Junction, Michigan, where I live on a beautiful lake. I say every day that I live in a postcard and I'm very, very fortunate. I moved to very far northern Wisconsin, uh, in the middle of nowhere. People call it the Northwoods of the Northwoods. And like Susan, I look out my window every day and sort of watch a nature show. Right now I can see squirrels and several kinds of birds. and It's a beautiful place to be. And I live on a little creek that runs into a lake. But we still love the fish. My last question was, what's it like being queers, living in the middle of nowhere? I wondered how safe they felt, and just in general, wanted them to speak to being the only queers in the neighborhood, as my own feelings about how rural, beautiful places sometimes feel inaccessible to me as a dyke and a person of color. We talked to our realtor, which was this guy at a realty company, and we said, look, if you haven't guessed, 
we're lesbians, do you think it will be safe for us to live out here? Because, um, you know, it's way in the middle of nowhere, and it is up in Republican country. Um, and he said, oh, I think you'll be fine. I really do. People are sort of live and let live up here. I think that a lot of people up here do not approve, but they don't care. They don't think it's their business. We have quite a few friends up here. And I'm sure privately they would say, oh, I, I don't approve of homosexuality. But they like us a lot, so they hang with us, you know. It's just not a problem, and we've always felt uh, fairly safe. I cannot recommend more. A trip to Gerberhart to peruse the gal's collection. Come take a look at the photos, read the newsletters, and snap pictures of their super cool logo and get inspired to create community around something that you love. Thank you to Susan and Sherry for sharing this story and creating such a special moment in lesbian history. Unboxing Queer History is co-created by me, Ari Mejia, Jen Dantel, and Aaron Bell. Theme music by Danny Robles. This episode was produced by Hannah Vidi and me, Ari Mejia. Special thanks to Rails for making this podcast possible. Unboxing Queer History is funded by a Rails My Library Is grant. You can find this episode and others at gerberhart.org and wherever you listen to podcasts.